How's it going? Welcome back to A Second Chance. My name is Philip Jones. As always, we have my brother, Mr. Farrell Cook, on with us and our special guest, Mr. Randy Fleet. Uh, before we get into uh, uh, our story from Randy, um, first I want to start by saying thank you to everybody who checked on me yesterday. Um, after finding I was in the emergency room, um, you know, slowly getting back to 100%, but I am out. I'm at home, as you can tell. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you uh, for all the love and support that y'all showed me. Um, number two, um, thank you everybody who tuned in um, on Thursday uh, to the panel that me and Tafaro was a part of um, to speak on dialysis. We had a, a great discussion, a great time uh, speaking about multiple different things. Uh, we are in the process of uh, putting together another panel. I won't mention what it is yet. Uh, but we'll be coming with something soon. We just got to figure out logistics, time, dates, all that stuff. So uh, please look look to that. And again, thank you. Um, so, Mr. Randy, the floor is yours. Have at it. Go ahead and tell the people your story. All right. Let's see. Where do I start? <laughs> this will start back in 2009. Uh, March 2009 uh, was the point where I decided enough was enough and these illness, this illness that I've been feeling wasn't going to go away. Um, I got to a point where I couldn't even climb a flight of stairs. So I knew something was definitely wrong. And that's when I went to finally went to see a doctor and uh, they ran some blood tests. And later on that night, they told me I had kidney failure. Uh, my kidney function was down to 5%. And uh, I was told to return to the emergency room immediately uh, or I may not make it through the night. So that was uh, the start of my journey. Um, at that point, I had to do immediate emergency dialysis in the emergency room, and they kept me in the hospital for close to a week doing dialysis on a, on a uh, daily basis to get my uh, blood levels under control and, you know, get me somewhat healthy enough so I could function again. And, uh, yeah, then I learned I had a, my whole world was shocked, my, turned upside down. And yeah, I, I thought that was the end of my life right there. And that I was going to spend the rest of my life on dialysis and dying in a kidney chair was, you know, kind of a um, scary moment there when you think you're a, you think you're a healthy 35 year old. And then all of a sudden you uh, realize that you have kidney failure and you need to live on dialysis now. So that's where my journey started. I did dialysis for nine months, um, and in that time, um, going backwards, going back into when I was in the hospital, when I learned I had kidney failure, I had a bunch of uh, friends and family come to see me in the hospital, and uh, uh, quite a few of them just, you know, wanted to donate a kidney to me, and they told me, well, let me know what I need to do, and I'd, I'd like to donate a kidney to help you out, and, uh, you know, so we had... When I met my uh, kidney transplant coordinator, um, she gave me the information that I need to give to my friends and family to check to see if they're um, possible donors. And I gave a brochure to my cousin, my brother, uh, one of my best friends, and a co-worker. And they all went in to get tested, and they were all matches. So... My brother and my cousin were the two closest matches, so uh, it ended up being my brother that donated, 
And uh, that How was, was your brother. My brother was 10 years younger than me at the time. I was 35 and he was 25. So he okay. was just at that age where he could make his own decision to donate. What, what, what hospital, what hospital, what state are you from, Randy? I'm from San Diego, California. Okay. okay. So I was at Sharp Memorial Hospital, uh, about Sharp Memorial. Okay. Four, my, four miles from my house. Okay. Yeah. So I did. How's your, uh, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, how's your brother doing right now? My brother's doing great. He's Good. now... Uh, 38 and living in Reno. He's got a daughter who just turned eight years old. And so he's doing very well. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, uh, you know, I got diagnosed in March. You know, the, the, the testing took a while. It, it was Mar it was August when they came back with the decision that Dosen was going to donate. Um, the the surgery was scheduled for October 21st. Um, the night before the surgery, I started feeling really ill and uh, got the chills and I barely could sleep. And then the next morning when we went in for the transplants, you know, I told them I wasn't feeling well. So they ran some tests and found out I have peritonitis. Because at the time I was doing peritoneal dialysis and just by sheer coincidence, I got it the night before a transplant. Wow. Uh, so it got postponed to November 25th, 2009. And in the meantime, we had to pull the peritoneal catheter out. We had to do a hemodialysis through my arm just to let the abdomen heal. And then we did the dialysis on, on uh, November 25th. Did they, did, they give, did they put a fistula in just for that? Or did it, they didn't give you a central line? They put a fistula in? So when I, when I got diagnosed in March of 2009, because it was – all of a sudden, they didn't have time to do a fistula. So what they did was they put the uh, catheter in my neck. Okay. okay. And I did dialysis like that. And then a month later, I went in to get my peritoneal uh, tube put in because I knew that's what I wanted to do. So my doctor decided to, as he called it, a, a, an insurance policy to put the fistula in my wrist. I agreed. So, how many takes did it take for you to get the fistula in the wrist? How long did it? I mean, how many? Are you talking about during the surgery? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many surgeries did it take to get the fistula in? Just one? One. That's awesome because the reason why I'm saying that is um, I had to do 12 surgeries on my oh. arm. Yeah, so that's why I, that's why I, and, and let me tell you, um, I've been in this space for a while and hearing you just get one surgery is pretty amazing for a fistula because from all the people I've heard, They've gotten multiple surgeries getting the fistula. That's why I was intrigued with how many surgeries did you get. And you just got one. That was great. That was great. Yeah, just one. You know, they, they did, they put, obviously the goal, the main goal of the surgery was to put the peritoneal catheter in my abdomen. Right. And the fistula right. was just an emergency policy. And, you know, as of October, I thought I would go the rest of my dialysis without ever having to use the fistula. Right. But luckily it was there. So, I, I, I think I counted it. The total times that we've used this fistula since they pulled out the peritoneal catheter was seven times. Mm. Uh, so obviously I didn't have much time to, you know, cause any damage or whatever. What You know, it, yeah. it, it, it yeah. barely got used, which is good. Right. 
great Let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this. Is it still thrilling now, or is it uh, clotted off or what? It clotted off. You know, I, I, when I take off my watch at certain times, I can still see the, 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 the vein plump up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But about a year or two after the transplants, it did crash and it hurt really bad. I went into the doctor and they looked at it and they told me it's, it'll heal on its own. There's no need for them to do anything. So yeah, that right. rush when you put it up next to your ear, yeah. <laughs> that's long gone. <laughs> yeah, and the, yeah. Reason, the reason why I'm, the reason why I'm intrigued with that, and I want people to get this knowledge about fistulas, is because um, honestly, and, and that's great that it clouded off at an early time because I had a fistula for close to I did I did peritoneal I did peritoneal dialysis for six and a half years. I did hemo for five and a half. Oof. So I had yeah I had uh, I had the fistula for. For six and a half, then after my transplant was in 07, it let, my fistula kept on thrilling for five years. And when your fistula is still thrilling, it can make your heart, it does make your heart go harder. So when it yeah. clots off, yeah, so when it clots off, you get a better, you know, you feel better and everything, and the heart slows down into a better rhythm. So that's why I was, you know, asking about the fistula. And then when you said, you know, they start doing uh, hemo, I was intrigued, like, oh, did they put a fish in but you already had one? That's really good for your doctor to put that in. Your doctor was thinking, man, like, hold on. He still might need this. And that's mm-hmm. the first time I'm ever hearing this. So that's why I was kind of intrigued with that part of your story you were saying, because that's pretty good. And you said you only used it seven times. That's, that's, that's remarkable, too, man. That's good. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to use that too much, because uh, obviously it's, it's a very painful way to go, at least – for my fresh arm, I I, I I would think that would change after a while. But, yeah, you know, being so fresh, it was uh, pretty painful for me. But, uh, but you know, I say painful, but I never complain on dialysis. You know why? Because I was alive. So <laughs> Right there. Yeah. You know, I, whenever I'd have a bad day on dialysis, I always remind myself, well, but I'm still here. Yeah. It puts it in perspective yeah. right there. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I always said that too. I'll be like, man, just take one day at a time. If I have a good day, I'm happy. Because exactly. dialysis, it let me do what I wanted to do. And I had my own fitness studio when I was on dialysis. So it let me work out. It let me train people. It let me train bodybuilders and fitness girl, uh, ladies, competitors mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I was happy with dialysis. And, and don't get me wrong, we have our challenges on it. Don't, you know, peritoneal and chemo. But if it wasn't for it, we would be talking to each other right now. None of us. So how about that? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, you know, uh, not only was, you know, being on dialysis, and like you said, you, know, you had your own fitness studio. Was, that was, elite. I don't know about you, but that was, you know, what I did while I was on dialysis, I did a lot of hiking. Um, okay, I, just, I did a hike with some friends yesterday. And it was the same trail that I hiked almost on a daily basis while I, was, while I was on dialysis. And that was my way to not only stay healthy while I was on dialysis, but also to feel normal, to mm-hmm. not feel sorry for myself or not feel uh, like a dialysis patient. I wanted to be as normal as possible. Right. So, yeah. right. When you did do dialysis, when you did peritoneal, did you do the cycler or did you do uh pd like when I, you did do the, it at a... I did the cycler at night 
Yeah, plugged in at nine in the morning. Plugged out, you know, I unplugged at five in the morning, and I was at at work at like six thirty. So right. Yeah. Let me ask you another. Let me ask you another question. So, like, you know, you could tell how you felt when you were on dialysis. When you got the kidney transplant, did you feel any different doing the hikes and everything? Not too much. Okay. The I didn't really feel too much between peritoneal dialysis and transplants. Okay. Good. Because I stayed pretty active when I was doing peritoneal dialysis. I I, I was hiking and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, obviously I felt better because I felt, you know, you know, I felt like I had a second chance of life, which obviously I did. Uh, but yeah, as far as health wise, I really didn't feel much different between peritoneal dialysis and, and, and transplant. But of course, between hemo and peritoneal, big difference. You know, obviously because hemodialysis, you're filtering your blood only three times a day three times a week for three hours so nine hours out of your long week is being filtered the rest you're not and with peritoneal dialysis your body's filtering 24 7 so yeah. it's more regular so yeah i don't i you know and again it was almost 12 years ago but i don't remember much of a difference between the two because i felt pretty good on peritoneal okay okay yeah. let me ask you this though so um <clears throat> How was your diet? Um, did your diet change drastically when you were on a PD opposed to, you know, anything else? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I started off on dialysis the first four months. From March to June, I was doing hemodialysis through the fistula in my arm because they did the surgery for the fist, for the peritoneal fist, uh, tube in April, but I needed two months for that to, to mature and heal before I could use it. So I, I basically had close to four months of hemodialysis. And during those four months, I, I learned how to adjust my diet and what to eat and what not to eat and how to control my fluid intake without feeling super thirsty. And for me, a lot of it was just talking to the, the uh, dietitian on a regular basis, uh, review my blood work and, and, when something's down, go, Hey, why is that down? What, what can I do to bring that up? So it was constant discussion with that dietitian to understand my blood work. Um, I just didn't want her to tell me what to do. I want to understand why these blood, these levels down up and down and how I can control that. So by the time I hit peritoneal dialysis, I had that diet and that, that fluid intake down pretty well. Now, of course, with peritoneal dialysis, our our our, our diet restrictions are lessened, uh, right. but I don't remember doing much change there. So I, I really had that down just through uh, trial and error and having those discussions with a dietitian. And I, I feel it's really right. important for us as as uh, patients of any any illness, especially kidney failure, is to uh, really understand your body and what actions you take and how that affects your outcome. I, I think that was really important. And, I, and that may be a, a, a big reason why I may have done so well on dialysis because of that. Yeah, Randy, you were your own advocate and that's big. You know, you took, you took matters in your own hands and, and Phil and I talk about that when we talk to patients and stuff, tell them that, you know, you, you can't always just depend on the doctor to tell you what to do. Sometimes you got to do some research yourself. You got to know what your body, what you can do and how you can help yourself. And that's mm-hmm. big. And I think that goes a long way when a doctor sees that you're, 
you're into it also. You know, you you talk to your nutritionist and stuff like that. They love that interaction, you know, and they, and they want that from their patients, mm-hmm. you know, to give you that more interaction. I think that was wonderful. Can you tell me what your um your native what your native disease was? You know. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's glomerulonephritis. Oh, glomer- glomerulonephritis. Glomerul. That's it. Yes. 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 I same I, one I had. <laughs> me, me as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. so we're all the same there. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I had high blood pressure before my dialysis, before I got diagnosed, but it was under control. Uh, so, and, and just what I know about myself is, I, from what the doctor told me was. This is something, this is a kidney decline that could have been going on for a very long time, and I just didn't know it. Thank you. Yeah, but yeah, there's no, was... go ahead. I'm sorry, it was going on for a long time. That's um, that's exactly what I was told, too. So what's amazing is it's probably going on a couple years, and you was, but you were such a strong guy. You just kept on doing what you was doing, you know, doing just living a life. And it sounds like you were in shape already. So, you know, sometimes when you're in shape, it, it kind of masks. But when it got just too bad, that's when you had to go in and see what was going on. So. Yeah, pretty much. I remember going on a bike ride one day uh, a couple months before I got diagnosed, before I actually went in. I just remember my blood just my I, my bloody nose just wouldn't stop. I just kept riding. It's like uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna just push through this. This is my stubbornness that i had <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it could be a curse sometimes it could be bad and good that you know we're, we're like that. like <laughs> phil phil was an athlete you know phil phil did yeah. all these things too in the same way you know I, I played college football and that's where i got sick i was right there on the field literally on the field got sick and you know my story goes like that but uh-huh. you were just that guy like no matter what i got to keep going and you you, you persevered and then you found out what was going on. How old was you in 09 when that happened? How old was you? I was 35 when I got diagnosed. I'm 48 now. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah I think probably it might have started happening like at 33, and you just didn't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how, it could how, be. That's how, yeah, that's how glomerulonephritis works like that. Mm-hmm. What you're doing nowadays? Uh, for work? Um, I work no, for... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Just tell me. Yeah, uh, for work, I'm a, I'm a government account manager uh, for an industrial supply company, and uh, I cover the Navy. Um, that's my work. I've been with the company for 17 years. They've taken good care of me, even during the time of dialysis. So they've been very supportive. Fortunately, I had a really good company there. Um, other than that, my my big thing right now is uh, just staying fit, mainly running. Uh, also swimming and biking and, and and trying to get into the triathlon world but um when i when i got diagnosed with kidney failure and i was in the hospital not, no, let me not when i got diagnosed but when i got was in the hospital recovering from the transplants uh, my nephrologist came in to see me one you know the second or third day after the transplant and, and and i asked him a question like how long will this kidney last me and he told me something along the lines of if you take good care of yourself you can get 20 years out of this kidney so I decided I want to write this bucket list of 20 items of that I've always talked about doing, but never did. You know, we all have those things we talk about doing, but just it, we never take action on what a lot of us do. So one of those items I wrote on my bucket list is I wanted to run a marathon. 
I've never been a runner my whole life. I've never, I, I wasn't, I was an athlete in high school. Uh, running, I think the extent of my running before uh, transplant was maybe as a kid playing hide and seek or whatever. So it was <laughs> never my thing. So I, I decided that I wanted to run a marathon, but I also decided I wanted to climb Mount Whitney. Uh, so my, my, the first thing I want to do on my bucket list was climb Mount Whitney. So we, we all started training, me and three friends, and we, we peaked Mount Whitney eight months after my transplant. It was uh, August of 2010. Uh, so when I got off the mountain and got home, I said, okay, what's next on the bucket list? So I, okay, let's train for a marathon. So I bought a pair of running shoes at um, Sports Chalet or whatever it was, and I found a couch to 5K program, and I started from there. So <laughs> I trained to 5K, then I found a half marathon training program, and I did that July or January 2011, which is 14 months after my transplant. I did my first half marathon. Then a month and a half, a year and a half later, that took more training. Then on my three-year transplant anniversary, I did my first marathon, full marathon in Seattle. And at the time, I kind of fell in love with running. So um, I've achieved my goal of running the marathon, and I was going to cross it off my bucket list and you know attempt the next thing on there. But I like this running thing. I, I love the clarity. I love the solo time. You know, getting out there on a Saturday morning and going run for two, three hours and you know, nothing but me and my music and my, my mind. It, it helps me sort things through. It just, it, it's something real, that was, I, I just love running in, in so many ways. And it definitely helped me out in other parts of my life too. So I decided, well, man, why don't I try to run a marathon in all 50 states? I don't think a transplant recipient's ever done that. So that's what I try to do. I, I just want to do one in every, all 50 states. And, uh, as of now, I've done 28 states. My goal was to finish all 50 before I turned 50, which was attainable. But then we had COVID. That knocked everything back. So uh, I'm still going to go for 50. So, yeah, I'm at 28 states so far. And I got three more states I, I have my eye on later this year in October, November, and December. We'll see how things go with COVID. But that's – so by the end of the year, I, I should be – hopefully be at 31 marathons 31 states so yeah what are those what are those next three states i got madison wisconsin i have uh west virginia and i have burlington vermont through all other side of the country pretty much yeah that's, that's awesome man that's if any way we can support you we'd love to do so man. oh well sure. thank you that's thank you question did what did your doctors say when they heard you doing all these marathons were they pretty happy they were very happy yeah yeah i i always ask permission for my doctor first like is, is this good on my kidney is this jarring running good on my kidney and my doctor gave me the blessing go for it and uh funny thing is, is uh, uh san diego half marathon is usually a, a march race and so march of 2014 that was around the time I was five years since I got diagnosed with kidney failure. And I ran that half marathon with my nephrologist that I met five years ago in the ER. That's so, cool, man. 
Yeah, it's funny because yeah, he he told me he's running the half marathon, and I met up with him in the morning, and he, you know, his brother was there, but his brother's really fast, and I said, hey, can I run with you for the first couple hours? And he goes, yeah, that'd be great. And I just ran with him the whole thirteen miles. I was like, you know, I don't care about my time. This is super special to run with my nephrologist that I met five years yeah. ago. So yeah. that was really cool. So yeah, they, they, you know, they they they're very supportive of this. Definitely, yeah. 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 That's a great bonding moment right there, man. I, I hope you guys took some pictures and everything because that was wonderful right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely got pictures. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's that's, that's great, man. That's good to hear. Um, So, like, what's your training like now for the marathon? Like, how do you train for it? Well, I've been at a condition where if I had to run a half marathon tomorrow, I could. Uh, So, I'm my my baseline running is 13 miles. my training won't go over eight miles. Uh, so like on a weekend, I'll run eight miles or so forth. And then I know I can just do a half marathon on almost any time. Uh, but I was training for Berlin. So so when I'm training for further than 13 miles, that's when I have to put in some extra distance. So my weekend runs typically on Sunday would be a, a 16 or 20 mile run to get me up to a, a marathon status. So uh, my my weekday runs right now, at, you know, just to maintain for half marathon is three three like three miles a couple of days a week, five miles one day a week, and then a long longer run on the weekend. So th- that all kind of doubles during a marathon training, where I would do five mile runs and an eight mile run during the week, and then you know sixteen or twenty during the weekend. Yeah, mm, that's nice, man. Um, is, is, when you when you're running that much, is your calorie intake pretty high? Yes. Definitely, yeah. I, you know, if I'm if I'm doing a 16, 16 mile run, I'm usually burning two thousand calories. So that's like a, I've earned an extra meal right there, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the the big curse with runners is you know, after running makes us so hungry. So sometimes we eat more than we burn. So it's sometimes sometimes it's hard to lose weight because you're burning too much. Yeah, but, yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, so, do you do you have part? Phil, you was, was you saying something, Phil? No, no, no. I actually was about to send you a, a, a message in the chat, and just I was gonna uh, try to put in a commercial like thirty minutes. You're like two minutes oh, go out. Ahead. But, go, go ahead. Uh, right, we, I don't want to interrupt. That's why I was like trying to just send it <laughs> real quietly and low key. <laughs> like we in yeah. class or something, you like slide yeah. over and know, like, hey, man, read that real quick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I, I didn't want to interrupt your conversation for sure. So, uh, y'all can continue to hit thirty, or if you want me to do it now, it's up to you guys. You, you can do it now. That's fine. We'll, we'll take a All break right. right now, Randy, and then we'll get. All back. right, sounds good.
Welcome back to a second chance. We're going to jump right back into this, Mr. Cook and Mr. Randy. Go ahead, take it away. Yeah, Randy. Uh, so I wanted to ask you because I was intrigued. Um, I run, but I don't run as nowhere near as much as you do. So, like, what, what mile marker uh, do you get runners high when you feel like you could just go forever? Mile eight. About mile eight is where I feel that. The first mile, no matter who who you are, the first mile is not good. It's The first mile sucks. <laughs> Second mile sometimes can suck. Third mile is like, okay, I'm finding that groove. I'm finding it by six, by six to eight miles. I found that, that pocket where I, you know, I just could just keep going. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I know about that. Cause my dad, my, I, I, on the hand, I, I was a more of a sprinter, but my dad is a, he was a, a, a runner, man. He, he, you know, and what was crazy is when I went with him, he didn't jog, he ran. And you know what I'm talking about. It's a different. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so, so probably somebody like uh, who starts off here and says, "I'm gonna go with you." They thinking you're jogging. It's really a run, run. So <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. It, it's you know, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm fast, but I don't care about that. Uh, typically, if you look my like fast from a race, I'm somewhere in the middle pack. Um, but lately, I'm I'm starting to get a little fast, faster. But you know, it's not about that for me. I don't compete with other people. I just compete with myself. I, you know, I just want to do better than last time. But you know, what's more important is that I'm able to do it. So I look at that medal or whatever. It's like, yeah, great. I'm glad I did it. But you know what? I should, you know, I I wasn't supposed to be alive right now. So the fact that I'm alive and I'm healthy and I'm doing this, that I just love it. Yeah. I think that's that's motivating in itself, man. To hear mm-hmm. hear you be a warrior like that, a marathon warrior for sure, man. That's that's awesome, man. And for everybody out there listening, going through whatever you're going through, listen to these stories. I mean, it, it, they motivate me to want to get out there. Like, okay, I got to lift more. I got to do something because I, I'm inspired by hearing your story. So I know everybody else out here is uh, definitely inspired to hear your story too. Phil, do you have anything? Or are you good? Um. No, I I just gotta say you you your spirit is a lot higher than mine when it comes to this running thing. And uh even when I had my transplant, I did, you know, I, I finished my last year in high school um after I had my transplant because I had my transplant my second semester senior year. So um, you know, I, I made made a point that I would go back to finish. Well, I had the opportunity because I was a year younger. So I uh, started school early. So it put me in a position to be able to do it without having to go to adult school and, you know, all, with, with, you know, go to class with all the people who didn't get to graduate, unfortunately. I'm not going to crack no jokes in this moment in time, but, um, but um, I, I ran cross country um, fall semester my senior year after I returned and it was not something that was planned for me, right? Honestly, I, I was trying to go back to football that's kind of like, you know, my heart is like between track, doing sprints and him and football. So that's where I was trying to go. So I've had all these, you know, having all these emails and conversations with the commissioner of our, of our, uh, of the city section and, and things of that nature. And they decided not to give me hardship for my senior year to, to play again. So, um, uh, I said, well, since they ain't gonna give it to me for this, 
I'm going to go ahead and try something else. Was going to do basketball. I'm like, nah, so I'm going to go ahead and do cross country. The cross country coach was also one of my track coaches. So, um, you know, she was like, sure, no problem. You know, sign all the paperwork that I need to sign and got a, you know, physical done for my doctor and everything like that and got an okay from the city for that. So I was like, all right, well, let's do this. Little did I know that the route that we do running um, was at a park called Peck Park. Now, Peck Park is not a normal park, okay? Uh, Peck Park is, when it comes to cross country, is like a forest, a canyon, and a hill all in one. So when you start off, you look like you, you know your your runner is gonna be on on you know where everybody else is and you know passing the monkey bars and everything right. Nope, <laughs> you immediately go into this area that looks just like a forest. It's got little creeks and stuff, and you know a billion trees. Right, you come out of you come around the backstop and you end up in this canyon. End up in this canyon. You got to go down the canyon on this little small trail. If you trip, you're done. Uh, like that, like small, like that, right? So once you come out the canyon, you come you come pretty much face to face with what we call the triple hill. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's three hills in one, right? So what everybody does, which I don't see how at the time like I said I was a senior, so I'm talking to other seniors at other schools. And when, at this time, I think we had like three leagues running at one time, right? But they're all running against people in their own league. So if another person in the league beats you, it didn't really count because they're not in your league. So I'm talking to all these other seniors and I'm watching, you know, some of them run because some sometimes they'll split it up. And they all do the same thing. And I'm trying to figure out how do you not understand how to run this hill after running it for four years? Because most of these people have been running since ninth grade, you know, and they all run this hill the same way. They start off a thousand miles per hour, going up the first hill. Then they they speed kind of cuts in half on the second one. By the third hill, they're walking. Mm-hmm. They don't have a chance. They're they're walking. They're like, man, I'm tired. You know, I'm walking. I'm like, after the first time I did it, I looked and I watched. I said, how do you not know to go the opposite way of doing this? Like, why would you not jog at the beginning? And then kind of increase mm-hmm. on the way up, right? Yes. Now, they all want to do it the same way. And by the time they get to that third hill, they all walking like this and, you know, <laughs> hand on the heads. And I'm like, y'all, I'm sorry. I, I, now, listen, I'm not saying, like, I can do it because I could not run the whole thing, you know, in one shot. You know, I walked the first hill and ran the last two. So, which is why I was able to finish ahead of some people that normally mm-hmm. should have just beat the crap out of me running, you know? And I'm like, why would you try to run up a hill from the beginning? Like, that made no sense. Exactly. So, I, I mean, just listening and, you know, over a hundred and some marathons in total, uh, listen, that probably would be, you know, easy for me. You would have probably just looked at it and figured out how to do this. Like me, like I said, it was my first year. I've never run cross country a day in my life until that semester. I ended up running that probably day three of me being on this team because we went for practice and everything. And then we had like a meet like later on in the week. And when I first saw it, because I didn't know what was coming. I, they were talking about it on the way there. 
And as I got to the triple hill, I, I just like looked at it and I just went. I knew right then I said, I have no shot in making it <laughs> to city mm-hmm. finals in this. I'm like, so- I'm gonna just do this just to get my conditioning for track season. And that's just about it. I I, I will say this. I, I did not put enough faith in myself, and I probably should have because um, a couple of those races I was able to beat some people that I never thought I would have beaten on a normal day, you know. Um, so I did see some good times in it, and I also saw some horrible times in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see your enthusiasm, man, in – continuously running these marathons is admirable because um, even then at that point, you know, I had, we had a student run LA. That was a part of my, uh, that was a part of my school. And they were like, Philip Monster Run. I'm like, why? So I can quit three miles down. I'm used to three <laughs> miles here, people. That's it. Like I'm used to three miles. That's where it ends. And it's a wrap. You want me to come out here and run with you and humiliate myself? I'm like, no, nah, I'm okay. So to see that you, you know, you actually got uh, inspiration from doing that first one to continue to do it uh, from that point on, and how many you put in, and how much work you put in, it is is awesome, brother. It really is, man. Because like I said, I I'd have probably hit number mile number three. I'd have been like. <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> I'm going to take this bus back to my uh to the car so I can go on home now. You know, um, but I I I all I can say, man, is keep going. You know, keep working that kidney. Keep making the best out of life with it. It's the reason why you got it. Um, you know, so the story that you're providing us with today, um, you know, like 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 Frost said, man. You know, I learned from a lot of people. You know, that come on this show and tell stories. But to be able to put in the work consistently like you have, you know, definitely just adds to that list of of knowledge that I was able to get from the people that come up before you and the ones that are come after you. Because, uh, I mean, you know, we since me and Tafar have been doing this show, even before when I was doing it before, you know, I've heard people pushing, fighting, you know, uh, getting literally everything out of whichever organ that they were blessed to have, you know, and you've just kind of multiplied that a little bit. It's not to say that your story is bigger or greater than theirs. It's just to say that you kind of, you understood real quick, you know, what the goal was and how to live with this kidney. And, you know, for you to ask that question of, which I'm pretty sure most of us ask like, hey, how many years am I going to get out this kidney? You know, and he gave you a great number because honestly the number I heard was 10 to 15. Mm -hmm. So for him to tell you 20, you know, two things, either one, he just knew or two, he had a lot of faith in you from the beginning, which I'm thinking it was kind of number two. So, um, you know, I'm gonna let the get back to, to his questions, but man, keep Randy, keep working. I definitely look forward to seeing you at our you know next team SoCal meetings. And, uh, you know, we kind of are, are in charge of the games this year in, in Southern California and mm-hmm. in, in, your, in your own town right now, San Diego. So right here in San um, Diego. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to that. I'm hoping Mr. Cook can join us, uh, you know, and, and Mr. Drake. Definitely. That'll be a, a great time. So we'll definitely have to uh, link up and stuff. So uh, I'm done speaking until you need me to again. Uh, Mr. <laughs> okay. Cook, back to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Um, 
I wonder. I, I wonder. I'm I'm really intrigued because you you know you said fifty. Uh, you want to do fifty marathons, mm-hmm. and what 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 I'm intrigued about is every time you do another marathon in another state, there's always a different route. So how do you prepare yourself for those routes? Like, because some of them could be harder than others. So how do you prepare? Well, on the website, it has the uh, the elevation. It, it shows you the map of the race. It also gives you like an elevation profile, you know, where the hills are, whether there's small hills at mile five or where there's some crazy hill at mile 16. And, you know, because I'm, I'm flying in on a Friday, you know, I'm relaxing, I'm carb loading on Saturday, then I'm running on Sunday. So I'm not really going out and renting a car and driving the routes. I'm, I'm just looking at that elevation profile on the website and, and I'm planning on from there. Like if I know there's a big mile at 16 kind of, kind of filled, what you're talking about with the hill that you're talking about, I love your, the way you did it because I, I had the same attack to it. Okay. So if I know there's a big mile coming up from mile 16, I, I'm going to take it easy. I'm, I'm going to hydrate extra before that hill. Um, I'm going to attack that hill slowly, get the feel for it, and, and slowly pick up the pace from there. So uh, that's my only preparation is just looking at the website and just determining what is in front of me. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, that's pretty awesome because a lot of people I do know that go to different states, they drive them. They drive, they, they literally, you know, drive the whole marathon and stuff. Then they, but, but you just take it by elevation. That's still a lot of unknown right there. Even, even oh, absolutely. Exactly. There's still a lot of unknowns. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Uh, but, it, but, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going there to try to be an elite runner. I, I don't need to be the fastest one. Uh, I, my, my goal, uh, you know, I'd love to finish it in four and a half hours, uh, but but I don't, I'm not trying to do a time. I'd rather take a little slower, uh, you know, not put so much strain on my body, number one. Number two, stop and take pictures because, I, you know, I've seen this area for the first time. You know, maybe chat with some people that are running with me and just have a good time during the whole thing. Right. Uh, so because of my relaxed outlook on the race, I, I don't feel like I really need to focus and do, try the route, it, you know, it, it, it doesn't work for me. Just the elevation profile yeah. is good enough. Like I said, I'm just there to have a good time. And, you know, that's that goes every day. You know, we just that, – that's got to come first. Right. I, I, like, I like the way you approach it. You're like, hey, whatever comes, I'm going to accept it. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm here just to have a good time and mm-hmm. no no crazy expectations. My, my, my job is just to finish it and have a good time. And I think if you, you know, keep the expectations like that, you can't go wrong. You know, that that's a great way to look at it and everything. Uh, one more question was uh, about about running was, um, do you do any other uh, thing like strength training for the running, anything like that? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I do strength training in my garage. I used to do training uh, before COVID in, in the gym. I, I seen a personal trainer for about six months and he's got me uh, you know, well-versed on strength training, upper body, lower body, and so forth. But I'm just doing it in my garage, uh, not doing high strength, low reps. I'm doing low strength, high reps, which is good for running. Um, I'm also uh, got another app called Freeletics, which has a lot of yoga type moves, a lot of stretching. Uh, that's helped me out a lot. Uh, so a little bit between uh, low intensity strength training and just a lot of flexibility is what's worked for me. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this though. Have you, um, I, I mean, I hope not, but have you occurred any injuries, knee, ankle, anything like that, blower back? Uh, uh, early on, I had some knee problems running downhill. 
but then my friend told me about getting a foam roller and start rolling on my IT band, you know. And then yeah, once like once yeah. we've done that, I've never had a knee pain, so I'm using a foam roller a lot. But I've had plantar fasciitis a couple times, uh, and that slowed me down a little bit. And right now, I do have a, a a sore big toe, and I think that's from the compression sock from the plantar fasciitis. I'm working through that right now. I haven't ran for for a week. I'm trying to let it heal a little bit. Uh, but nothing major, nothing major that's really stopped me from running. Uh, the, the only little minor inconveniences I've had is just to slow me down for a week just to recover. So fortunately, yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, it, it, it's an interesting point because, you know, a lot of people my age that used to run in high school or, or college, they don't run much anymore because their knees are worn out or, you know, the, yeah. their feet are bad or whatever. And, you know, because I never did that in high school or, or so forth. And I didn't start running till I was 38, 35, 36. Um, maybe I've got fresher knees for my age of 48 right now because I haven't been running since I was 15. So maybe I have that going for me. I'm not sure. I definitely agree with that. I mean, because, um, I mean, I, I started playing football at five years old and ended up uh -huh. playing until my south year in, sophomore year in college when I was diagnosed. So that's a lot of wear and tear at an early age. But the people I see who start later on don't, you know, and, and they start with a good program with the proper – you know, proper mechanics, uh, proper teachers, proper trainers, your body can go a little bit longer because you are, uh, you know, you didn't have the injuries when you were younger. That's, that's pretty awesome. But let mm -hmm. me, let me ask you, let, let me ask you this though. Um, how is it like your, your recovery on the next day? How do you feel like after you do a, a, a big marathon like that? My recovery actually works pretty well. Uh, if I'm doing a long run on a Sunday, which I normally do, uh, Monday's my rest day. And then my Tuesday, I could throw out three, five miles and no problem. Uh, this, this, the key that works for me is foam rolling when I get home, doing a lot mm -hmm. of stretches. Mm -hmm. And uh, that night, uh, taking a hot Epsom salt bath to you know, soothe yeah. the muscles. And uh, that, that's worked for me. That's pretty much all I do. Then the next day, I do a lot of stretching and so forth. And uh, midweek, I'm good to go. So, yeah, there was one time when I did a back-to-back -back marathon where I drove into – I flew into New Orleans on a Friday, drove up to Jackson, Mississippi on a Saturday uh, to run run a marathon in Jackson, Mississippi on Saturday. Then after the race, wow. I flew into Mobile, Alabama, and I ran another marathon on Sunday. Whoa. So, it, it you know, running a marathon back-to-back, -back, the secret was the foam rolling and that hot Epsom salt bath. It's, you know, just recover those muscles. That That's – that's mine right right that's yeah. awesome what um what what medications are you on right now for the uh, transplant kidney transplant of course prednisone five milligrams i take a uh, atacrolimus uh, two milligrams mm -hmm. twice a day and then i take a uh, mycophenolic acid which is my fordic um yeah, yeah. that's okay. it yeah right. and, and i and take so no one blood pressure medication too that's i was going to ask you that's uh, that's what i was going to ask you what blood pressure is it a, is your blood pressure a diuretic or calcium blocker channel blocker uh i i know it's uh um lasartan okay okay right. I, <laughs> I don't know I what it is but right. it works as long as it's working yeah, exactly yeah good it used to be What's uh your... uh it used to be um uh now i can't remember the name of it uh lisinopril but that one always okay, gave me a dry good. throat Right, so then he switched right. me to Lasartan because apparently that one is good at good at good for the blood flow in the kidneys is what I've been told. Okay, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. um, it was 
it was another question I was going to ask you about that was, um, uh, dang, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was on, uh, it was on your medications. Um, as far as, you know, so how much water are you taking in a daily though? That's all I was going to ask. Hmm. I have a big 32 ounce. I'm filling that up two, three times a day. I'm going to guess between three and four liters a day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is about a yeah. gallon, up to a gallon yeah, a day. Four is a gallon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four is a gallon. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So what 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 will you be doing for the transplant games? What what would be your sports and transplant well, games? Funny thing is, is I'm also training. I I'm, I also want to get into the triathlon world. Um, swimming yeah, okay. is my weak spot. I'm trying to get over, you know, trying to comfort my mind and get used to having my head underwater, but. I want to do the swimming, biking, and running. I want to do the triathlon sports for the transplant games. Okay. The, the endurance sports. That's nice. Yeah. That's that's cool. Um, have you have you been training all for those? Cause to get into triathlete, athlete, uh, triathlons, have you been training for them already? Yeah, I've been training for them. Yeah, uh, I I membership for the YMCA and doing lap swimming a couple of days a week. Although I, it's been a few weeks since I've been there. Uh, but that's typically a, a normal. Uh, I, I got to build out a training program again. But yeah, YMCA lap swimming. But what I'm looking for right now is I'm looking for a swimming coach, uh, mm-hmm. someone that can give me feedback. You know, because I'm, so if I so I took a I took a lesson to learn, uh, teach me how to uh, do proper form. That was about a year and a half ago when I started swim training. Uh, but I, you know, since then I've been doing it on my own. So I need to uh, get a coach to kind of get me back on track and kind of give me feedback. Um, I have a question right here. Someone asked me asked me to uh, ask you a question. She says, uh, "Do you run every day?" And two, are you on a special diet? No special diet. Um, I don't like to eat red meat. I don't like to eat spicy foods, and I don't like to eat very greasy foods because those are the foods that slow me down. Everything like I eat, I think about that next run I have to do, right. and you know. Try to limit my meats if I do it's white meats, um, but yeah, no, no, maybe that is a special diet, but yeah, avoid the red meat, avoid the spicy, and avoid the greasy. That's those are the things that weigh me down, yeah. And all those things you just said are not the best for the kidney, anyway. Red meat's not the exactly. best for the kidney, grease, all those things. So, we, we could all do without those. That's pretty good. I like that. What's your exactly. carb cycle? What's your carb cycle when you carb up? Carb cycle, uh, two days before a long run, I may have some rice with, you know, uh, like a rice bowl or something like that. Then the day before the run, if it's, if it's eight miles or more, I'll, I'll have some pasta the night before. But if it's less than eight miles, there's no typical carb load that I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, well, man, it was great meeting you. I, I don't have any more questions. It was, uh, I look forward to seeing you in San Diego. Phil, do you have any more questions? Yeah, I do have uh, two questions. Uh, one question is, what's your uh, in between periods like? So, uh, let's say if you uh, ran today, what was the time difference between today and, and your next race, and what would that time consist of like what would you be doing between those in between those two races well 
going back to going back two weeks, one week and I did an eight mile race here in Balboa Park. Then the following week I did the, the half marathon. Uh, so with that, I I took the, took the eight mile races on a Sunday. Then I rested on Monday. Uh, then then Tuesday, Wednesday, I kind of slowly ran. Uh, not too much. The the training program I follow is called an eighty twenty program, where it basically states that eighty percent of your running should be below your lactate threshold, and then twenty percent of your running should be above that. So most of the running should be at a nice, easy pace where you can still have a conversation. Every run isn't about going at a sprint and just run full force because that that's that's typically not very uh, beneficial to help you improve. So you really get your improvement by, by running slower uh, and, and taking it easy. So most of my runs aren't very fast, you know, not, not compared to my race pace. pace. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my second question to end is the one question I ask everybody, which is what would you want the people who are watching now and the people who are watching uh, later in the future uh, to take from your uh, story today? Well, you know, when I got diagnosed with kidney failure, uh, w when the doctor came in and, and told me that I was diagnosed with kidney failure, you know, I, I really thought my life was over. And I went through about 24 hours. I was just super, super depressed. I didn't want to hear anything from a doctor. There's nothing anybody could say to cheer me up. I, I really thought my life was over. And here I am 12 years later, health, I, 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 I can still say this to this day, I feel like I'm healthier today than I was when I was 18. I feel like I'm still the healthiest person ever. And my, my what I would tell anybody that's on dialysis or, or maybe look at transplant, they're sick, it's just kidney failure doesn't mean your life is over. Um, take control of your health, uh, have a positive attitude and, and really um, try to make the most of your, your illness. Um, kidney failure doesn't mean your life is over. There's, you know, you can just still do so much with your life. Um, just give them hope. If anything else. Definitely, definitely. Mr. Cookie, you have anything to end with? I just want to say I have to agree with Randy on that. I love that he was a, his own advocate. I love that he took initiative and, and, you know, asking the nurses and doctors and the nutritionists about his diet and his lab work and things like that. I, you know, we, we have to get more and more people to be, to be assertive on their, on their health. And when you are assertive on your health, you feel you have more control because now you're taking control of what's going on with you. Like he said, I, I learned what to do with me, and and you, you it feels like like again you have that control. I hear a lot of times when I talk to people on dialysis or whatever whatever they're going through, they always say they're out of control. Well, you have to take your control back, and that's what Randy did, and that's what I'm really really impressed with because again when, when when you feel like you're out of control you feel like you're in air in the water just treading water and that happens mm -hmm. you wait for somebody to throw you a lifeline but you can throw your own self a lifeline by taking your own control you're asking taking initiative being assertive like randy and i commend you for that and now doing those big uh, marathons hey man much love to you my hat is tipped to you brother for real thank you and, and i just gotta say every run i do i'm i'm reminding myself 
of where I came from and, you know, just super grateful to be able to do this. Wow. Um, so we, we got another great story this weekend. Uh, Mr. Cook, I appreciate you being on again. Uh, Randy, I, I, you know, we've known each other for a while now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it seems like every time I see, every time we have a, a different conversation, I get amazed even more and even more uh, every time we talk. So um, I appreciate you. I appreciate the friendship that you brought to my life. Um, definitely looking forward to, you know, making this thing great uh, at the Transplant Games next year. Definitely, like I said, looking forward to, to hopefully seeing Mr. Cook there. Uh, also, uh, next July, July into August. Um, so under a year now. So um, if you guys, you know, transplant, even if you're on dialysis, actually, uh, if you're on dialysis and you had a transplant, you're still eligible to, to participate in Transplant Absolutely. Games. Uh, so please look into it. Uh, Transplant Games of America. Is it .com or .org, Randy? Do you know? I can look it up right now. <laughs> if you don't mind, I'd appreciate it. I, I, I'll, I'll keep this. going until you find out. Um, so definitely look into that. There are a number of different uh, things that you can do, even if you're not a sports person. You know, they have the uh, uh, the donor tribute, um, the the uh uh what's it the transplant was I, I don't remember exactly the name where they uh acknowledge people who've had their transplants for 25 years yes sir they even have the trivia oh yeah they got trivia, trivia as well games. so if you are a reader brainiac type person mm -hmm. and you're like yeah sports is not my thing they even have something there for you uh like i was saying they have something where they uh uh recognize people uh that have had their transplant 25 years, quarter century club. I'm sorry. That's right. um, where they where they uh, tribute people who've had the transplant uh, 25 years or more. Um, and you got it. Yeah, it is transplantgamesofamerica.org. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Transplantgamesofamerica.org. Uh, please look at it. It's, it's for they have the results and things like that information from last year's. Uh, well this year's game and we're in a process of getting all that stuff uploaded for uh next year's san diego 22 games uh please look at look at it uh register for the updates and things like that um it, it's, a, it's a great uh opportunity uh def, you know even if you are on dialysis and you want to go just support someone it's a great uh great thing to be a part of it's literally thousands of transplant patients, uh, recipients, donors, supporters, uh, and it's an it's an awesome uh, thing to be a part of. Um, again, my, me and myself, uh, me and myself, and Mr. Cook are in the process of speaking to our other panelists about um, another roundtable discussion um, to be part two of what we just did last Thursday, which was an, an awesome. Uh, conversation on current and past dialysis situations, things we've been through, uh, you know, information that we know, or even information that we were trying to find out that we were able to find out from each other. So um, please go back and, and rewatch um, that discussion. It is on YouTube and on Facebook uh, as well. Um, next week, we actually have another uh, 
team uh, SoCal family member Albert Jones who will be joining us next week. I'm sorry, yeah, next Sunday, um, which is another great person uh, that I was able to meet a part of the transplant games actually. So um, please come back next week, join us. Um, and then the week after that, we actually have uh, Shane Blanchard um, who will be on with us uh, in two weekends. So two two great weeks coming up. Um, actually, in the process, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and throw this one at you now. I'm in the process of actually getting my dad on here uh, to tell his side of his of the story uh, between the two of us and me dealing with kidney disease and things of that nature, which I'll have um, Mr. Cook uh, take the lead on, and also uh, uh, our brother Edward Drake, who will also be uh, uh, the other co-host for. Uh, for that interview so we got some some great interviews coming we got another another interview coming from mr cook personally that's going to be uh awesome a, a great story that i know i can't wait to hear um I, i'm not gonna throw too much out there yet because that, that's his say so we'll wait till we till we get that one booked and i'll let him go uh talk about it because i know that's something special and that person is near and dear to his heart so um Again, thank you all for joining us uh, this week. Thank you for joining us on Thursday. Uh, please look forward to uh, future announcements from the Second Chance, uh, whether it's myself or Mr. Cook. Randy, again, I appreciate you coming on and uh, telling the people, telling us your uh, awesome story, man. Keep running. Keep using that kidney. Uh, keep being a blessing to other people as well. Um, again, I, I will definitely see you soon. Uh, everybody else have a great week. Um, Who ready? You know, have right. uh, have an awesome week at work, school, daycare if you're a kid. Uh, you know, whatever. You know, have a great week. You know, be be kind to somebody this week. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to always yell and fuss. You know, we can be kind sometimes. So, um, be that helping hand to somebody this week if you can. A support system, somebody. Mm -hmm. Ask a, a elderly person on your street, hey, you need me to go to the store for you. You know anything in that area be be kind in the helping hand for someone so again thank you all for joining us we'll see you next week have a great day thank all you. right uh, thank you for having me all right